Welcome to the Podcrastinators, bringing you a mixture of comedy, social and political commentary from New Zealand and around the globe. In other words, the show that's meant to make sense of everything, but quite often doesn't. Hello, I'm Darren Lees, a globally experienced businessman, politically to the right, stand-up comedian, comedy writer and of course, podcast presenter. And I'm Matt Danaher, I'm an amateur writer, traveller, podcaster and Instagram influencer and professional union organiser and socialist who likes to be optimistic about a future. I'm so sorry. We love a fuck around. We love a a fuck around. I'm so sorry. I was, uh, I just had a shower and then I came out and I was like, oh, anyway, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Well, thank you for having a shower for us. You didn't need to. I was like, should we all shower? I feel a little bit dirty now being on the show. with an. Yeah, I've just been, I just got back from a walk and I haven't showered yet. James, James, we need, we, oh, we should have like, yeah, we should have talked about this, shouldn't we? That we should have all showered beforehand. Damn it. (laughs) So dirty. <laughs> How are you, James? I'm all right. How are you going? Yeah, good. Good. How's your Sunday? Well, apparently it's been very lazy um, to the point of forgetfulness. <laughs> I, um, I got the new Pokemon game and yeah. I've truly, I've truly, uh, I did some writing this morning and then after that I've just been playing games and then I, yeah. Excellent. How have you guys been? Sounds identic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I've um, I've I, I went camping uh, a little bit, oh, nice. which was nice. Um, yeah, how about you, Darren? What have you done? I've I've been quite lazy this weekend. I'm quite big into American football, so I've just spent three days watching the NFL draft and like getting out of bed occasionally. So that's about yeah, <laughs> that, which is a very unusually lazy weekend for me. But I just decided now, nah, fuck it, I'm going to be really lazy this weekend. So, uh, but no, it's cool. So, uh, yeah, it's in that bit anyway, because that was boring. Thanks. Yeah, well, that's how boring my life is. I'm old now. <laughs> in there, so. I'm really what? keen to get. Is, is what were you going to say? I'm really keen to get on with the interview, but a mysterious little Darren face keeps. Yes, moving. I was going to talk about that. <laughs> keeps moving. So, is, is what's happening is, is it that you've used the the poster is like a virtual background but you also have the real poster behind you is that what it is That's right it is yes because yes. every now yes. and then the little face comes up it's so <laughs> it's like a growth out of your out of the forehead of your big face from the actual um backdrop virtual it only does it sometimes but oh yeah. my god it's cl- yeah. times. that's so yeah. funny that we both were like we need to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> So would you like me to remove the weird background place? No, 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 you're fine, you're fine. It was just, I think, now that now the now the um, elephant's out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're both sat there going, what the fuck is going on in this background there? So, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of The Podcrastinators. This week's guest is the self-proclaimed Taylor Swift of New Zealand comedy. Why, you ask? Because they both write about their ex-boyfriends. He shocks and entertains with explicitly detailed look into his life as a wannabe gay icon, paired with cutting pop culture observations. Our guest started performing stand-up in 2013 and won the New Zealand Raw Comedy Quest in 2014. He was also nominated for the Billy T. James Award in 2016 and 2018, and in 2017 won the award for the most offensive gag. Probably the thing I'm most jealous about because I think that I write the most offensive gags. Welcome to the show, James Malcolm. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting to be here. Well, we're very excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Um, It's all very boring, really. I um, I am a a gay comedian um, based in Auckland. Um, I'm 25. I... uh, I do very dirty material. That's kind of my um, my signature. And yeah, I've been in Auckland since 2015, a little bit on and off. Um, I grew up in Wellington. I started stand-up in Wellington. Um, yeah, that's kind of me, I guess. Yeah, look, what, what kind of got you into stand-up? Were you doing some entertainment sort of wise before? or no, Well, I so I started stand-up while I was still in high school. Um, so I didn't really have time to do anything before that. Um, I was like just a drama kid, do you know what I mean? Like I was just like a, I went to one of those high schools, you know, like it's really the roll of the dice where like some high schools you go to being a drama kid is cool. And some schools, it's like the most lame thing you can do. Uh And I just got very lucky that I went to one where it was cool. And, um, and yeah, and I loved being doing my little drama stuff. And then there's this program um, that the New Zealand Comedy Trust runs called the um, Class Comedians, which is where they go around to schools in Auckland and Wellington. And they're not doing it this year, which I guess is probably because of COVID. I don't know. Um, but they, they go around to schools in Wellington and Auckland and they pick out some kids that they're like, hey, they might be good for to do some stand up. And they teach you how to do stand up. And most of the time, those I think you get skills from it, um, but you don't necessarily. I think a lot of kids like drop off. Um, but like you get a few really golden nuggets, like Rose Matafero started through Class Comedians, mm. um, Sam Smith. There's like, like a lot of really cool comedians that started through Class Comedians. Um, yeah, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a cool program. And then you obviously started around 2013 and won Raw in 2014. What was that like? That was, I think that was, uh, that was really good. It was, um, like, cause I, I wasn't sure whether to like really pursue stand up or whether it was just like a bit of a, like a thing, a, a, a hobby. My drama teacher was very, which is funny cause she was my drama teacher, but my drama teacher was very like in high school, do not do this, do not do the stand up any further after the course, just enjoy the course and then never do it again. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then um, I entered, yeah, Raw Comedy Quest. I remember my friend Savannah Carlton, who's also a comedian and she did class comedians with me at the same time. She was like, um, she was like, neither of us are going to win this uh, competition. So like, we should just have fun with it. And then I did win it. And I, um, <laughs> yeah, it was good. And do you know what else? Do you have a very fun fact? Do you guys know Suzanne Paul? No, I don't know. Uh, the name. Okay. So, so Suzanne Paul is, um, she's not a comedian. She's um, a very, she's quite a famous New Zealand um, infomercial. Like, do you know, you, you'll know her voice and it's the natural glow skincare, you know, yes. that, that lady, yes. um, Luminous Fears. Um, and anyway, she entered uh, Raw Comedy Quest the year that I entered Raw Comedy Quest and we both made it to the finals. Oh, wow. Um, and so I beat Suzanne Paul. I'm officially better at Suzanne Paul's stand-up comedy. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just googled now I do know who she is yeah she's actually yeah. from Wolverhampton right yeah, yeah she won she won Dancing with the Stars one year um she was on Celebrity yeah. uh, Treasure Island like she yeah she they they wheel her out when they can well here's your first weird fact of the night I'm also from by Wolverhampton as well oh wow well I'm known to beat people from you you, yeah, you be so. careful <laughs> 
James Malcolm, funnier like... than people from Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, James, I think you got a bit of an edge on me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Who knows? <laughs> I think I'm probably going to be dead before I get anywhere close. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. Talking about edge, you're pretty edgy. Would you say you're a pretty edgy stand-up? Yeah, I definitely. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> and I remember when when I started stand up, and people said, "Look, don't do anything too edgy. Don't do anything for shock value. Don't do anything like don't do anything to alienate your audience." Mm. How do you um, kind of strike a balance between pushing the boundaries as far as you want to push them without alienating people, or do you not care? Um, okay, I have a few thoughts on this. I think to start with, I would say that like that was probably good advice that was given to you. And that's just because I think I see I see raw comedians try and be edgy all the time. And I think it's re- it's rarely done well. Um, I didn't do edgy material when I first started. You know, I mean, obviously I was a class comedian, so we like weren't allowed to. Like, um, but I think that was good. Like I I I first probably two years of doing stand-up or year and a half, I ne- like never talked about anything dirty at all um and I think that in that you I think that to be edgy you have to know the basics of joke writing first which is what a lot of raw comics I've seen that try to be super edgy um miss I think you need those fundamentals I think that's important um how do I not alienate the audience I um I just often do um and that's okay I I, I actually, I've been gigging at the Classic this week. Um, I did two gigs. I did Thursday Pro Night and Saturday Pro Night. And I had a walkout in both of those shows. But, thank you. <laughs> but I um, but I also killed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I I think that um, I, yeah, I did really, really strong performance both those nights and like did really well, had a great response. So I think that like, if you are, if you're alienating a few people, but you, 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 it's a game of numbers. Do you know what I mean? Like if it would be a different story, if the crowd was really quiet and I also made people walk out, do you know what I mean? Like then something's gone wrong, but if someone's having a really big reaction to it, then it's kind of just, it's whatever, as long as the, like the vast majority of people are enjoying it, I think you're doing your job properly. Mm. So do you make calculations as you're performing about which bits you might, use and do you have like bits in reserve and things like that or do you just go for it and hopefully I, th- I think that like the answer that like I'm supposed to give is like yeah I do but honestly like my solution to every my solution to every situation at the moment and this is probably like I don't know this is probably not the best answer but my uh, my solution to every problem at the moment is to go harder and I um and I think that like it actually like it actually does work for me and my style like I'm not sure if it worked for everyone but it works for me my style I mean there's been a couple times where I'm like okay give it up and that's fine but that's actually really rare like a lot of times if it's too dirty for someone for for an audience I find leaning into that and 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 commenting on that and getting the elephant out of the room and then charging forward is actually the best um it's the best route forward for me in those situations whereas if I am more like oh you guys didn't like that and then I move on to other stuff I don't know that hasn't that just hasn't worked as well for me in the past I think that I like to 
I've started saying this in my stand-up sets and it's it's funny but it's also true and it's that like I've gotten to a point where I um I I actually enjoy the 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 groans and the uh, more than I do the laughs like I kind of I, just, I kind of like often measure my success off of more like oh, I freak them out then I don't know but you got to make them laugh obviously it's it's a balance and I'm not I don't think that pushing through is the right answer for everyone um yeah. but I'm it works for my style I'm yeah it works for my style so at what point so you said obviously you didn't start off with dirty material but what mm. point did you go yeah, I think I'm ready for it now. Was there a specific thing you did or did you throw it out there one night and go, do you know what, I'm going to just try this and see how people respond? Yeah, I think it was a gradual thing. Um, I remember, like, I actually, I came out as gay for the first time on stage and that was because I was like, this. the punchline is just funnier if I announce that I'm gay here. Like, that's the funniest punchline and I think so when I first started stand up you know I was like a 17 year old I wasn't like fully closeted I thought I was bisexual by then and I wasn't really talking about it at all and so then I said that I was gay on stage and then I just found that like the more I incorporated that into my uh into my stand up the the funnier it was um and I think yeah the the graphic stuff is really it's just funny to me and I also think that um yeah it's because I think there's layers to it that what what makes it funny for me is um like I'm not someone who like I'm not a fuck machine do you know what I mean like I'm not someone who's banging around um heaps and heaps like I actually find sex like often quite awkward and so (laughs) I think that um it's fun to talk about it from that side like I don't know like it's fun to talk about like oh you know I was having sex with this guy and this like awkward thing happened like I find that really funny rather than like oh I I banged this twink and I banged that twink and we all you know like (laughs) it's a different vibe and I also think there is something powerful in um like a gay man um standing in front of a audience of mostly straight people especially if it's at the classic or something it's generally mostly straight people um and them having to sit and watch something that they probably wouldn't choose to, but like, and they ultimately enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's some power in that. So when you came out as gay on stage, did that almost release a different side of you to be able to then go, I've now got license to explore and take this as far as I want? Definitely. It was still gradual, but um, I think, yeah. Um, I was very young looking then. I think the first dirty joke I did was about like, being attractive to Catholic priests. Um. Um, Yeah, no, that's cool. So are you able to take us a bit on your comedy journey? So you obviously won Raw. Are Mm -hmm. you able to tell us how you progressed through then and then through the Billy T Awards? And and I'm desperate to hear this most offensive joke as well. (laughs) Just because because I'm damn jealous. But apart from that, you know, are you able to just take us on a... If you want to share your joke with us, by the way, but don't want us to include it in the recording, we can cut it out. But we are keen to hear it. <laughs> All good. Um, uh, we, uh, so where should I start? Um, okay, so yeah, I, I won Raw Comedy Quest. Um, and then I was living, still living in Wellington at that time. So I won the, I came, I actually came second in the Wellington Raw Comedy Quest, but first and second got to compete in the finals of the National Raw Comedy Quest. Um, and it's so funny because in Wellington 
um, it was Daniel John Smith, who I love, who won um, Wellington Raw Comedy Quest um, the year that that we were in it. And in Wellington, I honestly, I felt like I, I did um, a better job than him. But in Auckland, I felt like he did a better job than me. And and it's so funny because we did the exact same sets and it felt like the audience liked him me a bit better in Wellington to me and him a bit better in Auckland. And it went the other way around both times. Um but um, yeah, so I won that and um, I was living in Wellington and then I, I kept coming up for gigs in Auckland. And then at some point I realized like, like the, it's really hard. Um, like if you want to do Wellington, I think if you want to do comedy in Wellington, you have to, you have to make your own, you really have to make your own opportunities. Like there aren't, um, there's not like as much of a pathway, um, like a clear one. Like, yeah, I guess that's the, the most diplomatic way of putting it. <laughs> um so I I moved to Auckland and um it was my first time living out of home and I started to gig more and you start to like get to know people on the scene like you know like I know networking is a Nicky word but I think it is like it is important like it just is in an art thing like people are gonna want to um you know people your peers are booking the gigs like a lot of the times and your peers want to like hang out with the people that they like chatting to and having drinks with um so I, I think that that is really important um and then yeah I went for the Billy T award uh, at the end of 2015 for to be nominated for 2016 and I was really lucky that I did get it um it was back before now the rules have changed um now you have to do one solo show before you can be ability nominee but back then you your first solo show could be as ability nominee so it was my first solo show it was called marry me chris warner um and it was terrible it was just it was just like cringily bad it was it was really really bad um and that's okay like i think that like your first solo show is allowed to be bad i mean people have their fifth solo shows are bad, right? Like, you know, like people have bad solo <laughs> shows, but especially your first solo show is definitely has license to be terrible. It was, it was really terrible. Um, and yeah, and so then I, um, it's hard. It's so hard. Like, so between, it's so hard. Like, I think I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Sorry, I know I'm going on a little bit. I'll just say this, is that um, I think the start of the career, your career is super is the easiest is really easy because everything every little bit of progress feels um feels huge and immediate do you know what I mean um and then obviously once you've made it it's like again really easy because you're you've made it you know you're doing cool shit the hardest part is the middle the middle is sucks and the middle is it's just like you you so much of stand-up comedy is the middle for a lot of people and it's just treading water and waiting for it to be your time um and seeing other people um have much shorter middles than you because some people have middles that last half a year and some people have middles that last 10 years or you know what i mean so it's that middle part that's so hard where um where you're not getting the instant recognition of just starting out, but you're also not making it, making the cool shit you want to, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I got nominated for the Billy T Award again. Um, and, and, and then it's been more and more middle. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then um, in 2017, of course, you got nominated, or you actually won the most offensive joke. Yes. So what I, I I have some exciting news for you, which is that I've I've been nominated for most offensive joke, and um, like four or five times, um, wow. and I, but I only I only won it once. Um, the most offensive joke, they've taken it away, oh. which I'm livid about. There's no more most offensive gag. Joke, uh, gag award. They've taken it out. Oh, I, no. I think it's an outrage. <laughs> I think it's offensive. No, sorry. <laughs> um, I am offended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I um, I love that award. I think that it's important. I think that um, like most offensive, the most offensive award doesn't have to be like the person who came on stage and said something like like horribly racist or transphobic or it's not about that like people's mind goes there and that's why i think they think this award is bad and is outdated but it's 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 about doing it's about towing the line in a creative way like the joke still has to work the joke still has to be good it's about skating as close to the line as possible um all of the times i've been nominated slash the time i won it was just it was like i didn't, I didn't say anything like terrible one time i talked about um a lot of it it's a lot of it is like really graphically detailed descriptions of anal sex basically <laughs> and like that's like it's not that's not really that's grossing people out but it's not offending it's not no. offending it's not it's not marginalizing a community exactly no. so i think that um i think that the award is harmless i understand why people see it as outdated but it's really sad to me that it's gone actually I'd just like to um, come back to Chris Warner for a second, actually, if I may. Yeah, sure. Uh, what I was actually doing while you were talking about him was just Google image searching. And I just, is it is it the younger Chris Warner or the current Chris Warner that you prefer? Um, well, I think current Chris Warner's a bit of a daddy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I um, but the show was sort of about spanning over his history, and I cannot yeah. emphasize enough how garbage it was. <laughs> <laughs> And do you know if he ever, if the actor who plays him, Michael Galvin, do you know if he knows about it? And Yeah, he actually, um, he was really kind. He let me, I did an interview with him to promote the show. I went oh, into awesome. the Shortland Street set and had a chat with him. And for, uh, you'd think they would move ticket sales, but you know, God, sometimes it's such a, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't. We have a lot of listeners that are kind of new um, mm-hmm. or in the early stages working up to that middle or in that middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're always keen to listen to pros like yourself about, how do you develop material? How do you even prepare for a show that's an hour long and stuff like that? Have you got any kind of sort of ways that you work that you're happy to share with everybody? Yeah, sure. I think um, the big thing I do is every time, and it probably looks actually quite rude sometimes, but every time I, I talk, I'm in a conversation with someone and I say something that makes someone laugh, um, I think to myself, oh, is that is that stand up because I'm, I'm very anecdotal. And so what I need is a lot of those um, for my style. What I need is a lot of those jokes that slip conversationally in that, yeah, that get a laugh. So every time I am talking to someone conversation, I get a laugh, I'll get out my phone and I look like one of those like horrible people who starts texting in the middle of a conversation, but I'm actually just making a note to myself of what I just said. Um, and it probably still is a little bit rude, but it's less rude than what it looks like. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's the main thing. And so I collate this list because I think the two things you need are you need 
for my style anecdotal you need the stories themselves and you need the punches that slip in and so every time I have either of those I just write it down immediately because I'll forget it if I don't write it down absolutely immediately um the other thing is with the preparing of an hour show like honestly that's the only way I'm writing new material anymore to be honest like who I'm very impressed by comedians. Like um, my best friend, James Masterpick, constantly writing, constantly making new stuff, no matter what he's doing. I'm not like that. I'm very deadline driven. I need stuff like solo shows or just, I just need, I need deadlines or nothing will get done personally. Um, so the solo show is actually like the thing that will most make me write stand up because like you either write the stand up or you get up on stage and look like a, tool for an hour um it's a really like there's it's a really clear incentive to to get your shit together um yeah otherwise otherwise i um i don't know i'm just i I, i'm just a procrastinator otherwise a podcrastinator thank you very much we totally sympathize with that i think (laughs) okay so so in what you've just said there james obviously you did a show last night some stand-up Mm-hmm. How much would you say is that is newly developed and how much would you say that is existing material of, say, four months, six months or more? Because one thing that's interesting for the newer comics, is, especially when they go through Raw, what they've said to me when they've kind of gone through is like, do I have to do a brand new six if I get to the semi-final? It's like, no, 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 no that's no. absolutely not what they want. They, there's this constant feeling of pressure, and I don't know whether it's driven by what they see on TV or something. It's like, I always need something new all the time. Um, yeah. So I'd be interested the, the, the stuff you've done the, the, this week. How much of that has been new, as in more than three, four months old, uh, or newer than three or four months old? And yeah. how much of it has been? So honestly, like none of it has been. Like it was a, it's a Friday pro night. There's like an expectation at at, at a Friday pro night, um, or oh, sorry, Saturday pro night or a Thursday. Those are two I did. Like they're pro nights. You're getting paid to do them and it's in front of an audience that's paid quite a lot of money to be there and the expectation is really that none of that material is um is new especially um because i'm promoting the my new comedy festival show at the moment like i really want to put my best foot forward um there's yeah i i've also seen that thing where it's like it's a real big um it's a big thing when you're starting out i like raw comedians um wanting to like tune out new stuff new stuff new stuff new stuff mistake big mistake um like focus on like i mean yeah there's obviously balance like you can't have the same six minutes that you've honed over a year and all you have is that six minutes and that's a bit useless but um but certainly i like if i was a newbie i wouldn't want more than than to be focusing more than like 15 minutes in my first year do you know what i mean like um yeah like maybe i i guess maybe 18 if you give that that's three six minute sets then i wouldn't i would definitely wouldn't have more than that in rotation in my, in my first when i'm starting out right do you agree yeah yeah totally totally into a new place and do like half my sets new stuff and then i'm like oh, why did i do that mm. <laughs> should have just stuck with six minutes that i knew was going to get a decent reaction yeah, yeah. The, the the audience of the classic like it's it's just it's just always it's never gonna you're never gonna have an audience at the classic where more than a few people have seen you before like and if a few people in an audience have seen you before that's fine that's just that's 
that's their fault for going to stand up too much, frankly. <laughs> um, and it's not going to affect how you do on the night because, again, it's a numbers game. The proportion of people will have will be seeing you for the first time. And the people that have seen you before probably liked those jokes the first. You know, there's a good chance they're back because they like those jokes the first time. And people want to, you know, people, people find a laugh at the same stuff more than once, really, if they liked it. I understand you worship at the Church of Our Lady, Mighty of Cyrus. <laughs> I'm um, honestly, I've converted. If I'm honest, I still like Miley Cyrus, but that is better. But our day, I'm full Taylor now, full Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, I'm. I just. I just. I worship. I do really look. I've got. Oh, you can. Well, you can't. It's but useless for listeners. But I've got my Taylor Swift up there. Um, I. I love. I love it. A serious Tay Tay fan. So, do you guys have a favorite Taylor Swift song? Could you name one? Oh, I could. Oh, I think he's calling us old, Matt. There, I think he's kind of questioning. <laughs> no, I I, no, just just not Taylor's, not not maybe not Taylor's signature demographic. I don't know. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I'm I'm literally cheating by googling right now. Oh well, don't stop cheating. What? Are you serious, James? This was the guy that I I dropped Pitbull as a as a name drop on uh, one of our podcasts, and he was like. Who the hell's Pitbull? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Stop I, I've I've actually been in bands and I make music now, but um, I know I really like her Fearless album. Yeah, it was re-recorded in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> I don't know Taylor Swift songs. I, I, there's a few I quite like actually. Um, Bad Blood. I quite like Bad Blood. I thought it was a pretty cool song. I like what I like about her is she's so self-referential and she's she's a petty bitch really like she yes. is she, that's fun to me like that's I know that's a lot of what actually turns her off for a lot of other people but that's the thing that makes her fun to me is that she yeah is that she's a bit psycho and that she's but she's self-aware and that she's psycho and and yeah I think that's really fun I think it's fun uh, the thing I like about her is that you go back, I don't know how many years. She was a country music star, right? She was mm. top of the country music charts, and now she's like one of the biggest global pop stars on the world. Mm. But I think you're right that that ability to write so that the jokes on her, you know, about talking about all her boyfriends and all of the what people think of her, I actually think that's quite cool that she actually turns it on herself. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. See, Matt, something I can students. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what's your um what's your stance on euro games james on on what sorry <laughs> you i understand you like well darren thinks i mean something else but i understand you like board games oh right yes i love a board game i love a board game i have um i have a big collection what's my what's my favorite is that what you said yeah yeah what's your favorite at the moment it's not very pc of me but i there's this game called secret hitler and <laughs> It, god it's fun it's just so fun it's just so fun that you have to like i'm a bad i'm a bad lefty wokeist um and i have to just sit aside <laughs> for for my game of secret hitler um which is where like basically like someone is secretly it's like werewolf you know like where That's... someone's secretly the baddie and yeah. you've got to work out who but it has just such fun dynamics it's so fun it's a great game because it will end the friendships but that's what's nice is it like you, you know, something nice about ending a friendship and then re having to rebuild it over the course of a night. Um, almost, like a, almost like a kiss and makeup friendship type thing. Yeah, definitely. I've had some of the biggest rows of my life have been over that game. You see, being a, cap, being a capitalist, I'm a Monopoly guy. 
<laughs> so, that was my chance to remind you that Monopoly was invented by a woman and it was meant to be an anti-capitalist game and it got hijacked and uh, twist, the meaning got twisted and um, she lost the credit to some men as well so you know, secret, yeah, Hitler, actually, <laughs> secret Hitler secret Hitler then, a lot more PT to be honest <laughs> I always thought that Prince Harry was the secret Hitler he used to like dressing up in that sort of stuff didn't he did he? yeah probably yeah. Yeah, he, he did, did. He, did. <laughs> he went to parties dressed as Nazi which is very very weird for a member of the royal family to do so, uh, Matt, what's your favourite board game? Uh, well, I think my, it's going to be Secret Hitler because I'm now looking at the other Secret <laughs> So, oh, my favourite oh, yeah. game, game when I was a kid was the most... When you play it as an adult, is the most boring board game ever. So I'm going to talk about it on our podcast, Waste Precious Minutes. <laughs> Mentioning it is um, Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs. What? Yeah, sound of, we're sound, we're skewing we're, <laughs> we're skewing a little nerdy, but um, but I'm gonna let you take it away. Uh, there's what? nothing funny to say about it other than <laughs> I'll just move on. Actually, yeah, I'm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I feel bad. I'm so bad. <laughs> oh dear, I'm gonna dig Matt out of a hole. Hey, James. Um... <laughs> Do you ever do any? Do you ever do any MC work? Yeah, I do. I, to, to be honest, I don't get booked for very much MC work, which is probably fair enough because um, I think that um, it's not intuitive to think that my style would necessarily work with that. Um, but I I run along with James Mustapick um, a comedy night called No Homo, which is oh. um, just a queer comedy yes. night. Um, and um, I, him and I take turns, like rotate um, who's the host of that. And so I host that every second month. Um, and I really like him saying, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I really like him saying, I think it's fun. How do you prepare differently for that to stand up? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's, I think, I guess it's just an energy thing, really. I think I, um, yeah, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I um, I I probably have a different energy. I probably have to be a little bit. I have to be a little bit more um, courteous of my material, just because um, you don't want to um, like it's 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 a bit rude to introduce someone like off the back of you talking about like someone shitting on your dick or something. You know, like that's <laughs> <laughs> it's a little uncourteous. It doesn't necessarily set them up the best for success. Um. Well- but like honestly, a lot of the times, you know, I'm at the classic and um, people are emceeing, and I'm quietly like, "Oh God, this, they're not doing this, or they're not doing this." And so I, I'm a bit of a control freak, and so for that reason, I probably do quite like emceeing so that I can be in control of the situation a bit more. But well, I did, yeah, I, yeah, I did read that you have a pathological need to stay in control. Is that yeah? Every part it's of your- really. That's really accurate, but I do, I, I can't, I'm trying, when I, when I saw that in the notes, I tried to remember where I said that. <laughs> I think I found it on one of your podcasts, which we'll talk about shortly. Right. Yeah. Yes. I know that's very true. I, yeah, I have a very, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, um, that comes out a lot at games night. I'm always the person who has to uh, read the rules. Um, I'm, you know, I'm the one who has to explain the game. 
Uh, I always hosted at my place. I always, um, I just always take a leadership role in that situation. I feel very, and it's like, it's so funny because my friends have sort of noticed that now. And so like they'll ban me from reading the row the rules to like new players and i like will literally be twitching like i'll be like it's, well actually that's not entirely how you know like i'll it will it, like it's crazy it's and it's, it's psychotic behavior so me and you if we played monopoly and we both wanted to be the banker there could be there could be blood right <laughs> yeah definitely i do think that's true <laughs> Oh, cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about No Homo Comedy Night. Uh, you know, what, what yeah. sort of preface, how did it come about, etc. Yeah, it started in, I think, 2018. Um, and uh, it was actually, there was this um, comedy show that used to go on at the basement called Down to Clown, which I miss. Um, I think it was a great show, but it, it did not sell tickets. So, the, you know, it, at some point in the basement had to be like, we, we can't keep putting this show on for three people every week. But it was, it, was, it was really valuable to the comedians who did it, even if the audiences weren't there, because it was just like a nice open, it was like not open, like it was a semi-open mic, and um, it was always themed. And so you would be writing material. It was a good opportunity to write material to a specific topic, um, which I do think that's another thing I'll say of writing is that like constraints often breed creativity. Like if you've got like, if, yeah, if you've got constraints, you have to write about a certain thing. I think that that often is, um, it's easier to do. Um, and anyway, so for one night we, we did no homo and um, down to clown. Yeah. As I say, I used to sell like very, very small amount of tickets. And this one sold out very very quickly um was completely full packed out and that's where james and i were like oh we might be on to something with this and um i think that it serves two purposes and one is that like it gives an opportunity for um obviously for queer performers to perform um and get more stage time and stuff like that and we always like um are looking out for new queer acts that we can put on but another one that's I think is what actually makes it successful is um, what it services the audience. And that is that like, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of queer people who want to go see something like a stand-up comedy show, but have either been burnt by that experience in the past or um, are just generally scared of it, are scared of the idea of going to a, com a, a comedy show um, with straight people, or just honestly don't really like, don't relate to that sort of comedy you know there's a lot of reasons why someone might want to go to no homo but that's like a really valuable thing is like basically it's like you know safe space is such an eye roll word but it is kind of that for stand-up comedy um not that there's like any like boundaries on what the queer comedians can say but just that like you can trust some queer people would feel more comfortable trusting yeah i mean you know you're not going to get a load of homophobic comedians in yeah the row. totally like um, if a trans person wants to go see a comedy show they feel like they're more likely to not be the victim of jokes historically at a queer night than at a um at the classic not that the classic is super transphobic by the way i just said that i really said it sounded wrong but but you know like just it's an it's an odds game you know sometimes you get the odd person you noticed then, obviously you came out on stage of comedy. Have you noticed a real shift in the comedy in the comedy world with being a gay comedian? Yeah, definitely. So when I started, it was just um it was kind of just me, um, like Eli Matheson, Chris Parker, but he was he wasn't really doing he was doing a bit of stand-up, but he was mostly doing improv. Um and there were yeah, there are probably a couple others I'm forgetting, but um but uh, Tom Sainsbury, obviously. But now, like, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot of... And there's a lot more diverse. Like, all those people I just listed to gay men. 
Um, and um, I'm seeing like a lot of um, trans comedians coming up, a lot of lesbian comedians coming up, a lot of bisexual comedians. Like it's just a lot more, definitely the scene has diversed a lot, I think. If we went on to promoting what you've got coming up. Cool. In Sounds very good. near future, which we're obviously super keen to hear about. Uh, mm. Do you want to talk about your new web series called School for Straits? Yes, so I'm doing this web series with School for Straits. The first episode's out now. It's called Butts of Fun, and it's about how straight men are scared of their buttholes. Um, but generally, just like School for Straits, it's um, it's just a show to like uh, teach straight people about queer things in a comedic light way. Um, yeah, the first one's with Paul Douglas. I teach him about his anus, um, which is fun. <laughs> um i don't know like if i flip it back on you like what um have you what's your guys vibe with your butts oh you want me to go first oh wow you're the the straight one so you go (laughs) okay then well yeah i'm still questioning that um (laughs) I, i i don't know i um i guess for a lot of straight people and i'll probably include myself in this um, there's kind of always, I think in everybody's life, you go through an exploration stage, right? And go, do you know what? I think that could be me or something like that. Um, but I think a lot of straight people just have this innate fear of, oh, it's going to be this, or I'm going to be thought of that, or it's going to hurt, or it's mm. going to be this, or it's going to be that. Um, my wife is probably, she actually thinks I've probably got a bit of a side slant. Um, <laughs> she's kind of convinced about it um probably because i've had a lot of men kind of approach me and she says you obviously give off a vibe that you want to be approached and i'm like <laughs> maybe maybe um, so, uh, <laughs> well this conversation took an interesting turn he was only asking about your butt darren <laughs> but it's all linked matthew it's all linked so uh yeah I'm is, kind is of... your wife telling you you're asking for it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you asked. If, if, if I ever ended up in that position, she'd go, "Well, you asked for it, and you got what you <laughs> If you're going to go address that way, that's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, she's had this thing over years going. You've had man crushes all the time, like, and uh, <laughs> it's probably a good time to bring this in now. So, me and my wife came to see you in a show, James. Oh yeah. And, um, after the show, we came. What up year? To, Can you uh, take me to the year? Oh God, we we tried to discuss this. Um, at first she was like, I don't remember this happening at all. And then kind of went, oh, okay, I did. I probably tried to forget it. Um, so, um, I think it was about two, it might've been early 2019 because okay. I was in, I was in Australia between 15 and 19 and, um, we came to see you and we came to talk to you afterwards and went, you were great. You were awesome. And you gave my wife a hug and a peck on the cheek. And I stood there and folded my arms and went, oh, so it's going to be like that, is it? <laughs> and, you, and you were like, what? Do you want a kiss as well? I went, well, yes. And then we had a kiss. And then Aww. I thought, was, which was very nice, but it was really quick. So Do we have a kiss on the cheek or the lips? No, it was on the lips. Oh, my gosh. That's the only way to do it. This um, is how many men I've, I have no memory of this. <laughs> was I wasted? Was I a bit, I was a bit drunk? Potentially, I don't know. I'm disappointed that you would think this you would have actually, to kiss me. I'm very disappointed, uh, James. This is clearly a formative moment. <laughs> <laughs> and now James has now told everyone he has to be drunk to kiss me, which is really hurtful. No, and, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. That was a memory. That was a comment on my memory. 
So anyway, um, we should have done this in person. We could have had a reprise. Well, I'm going to come and watch your show and I'm going to see if we can recreate that for photographic memory. <laughs> and um, it was really funny because, um, like, if you wanted me to be a referee for you for a future partner, I, I would probably didn't kiss long enough, but I'd probably give you an A plus for kind of like initiative. So, uh, mm. okay, that's good. <laughs> you, kind yeah. of, you kind of read the room and went, that guy wants kissing. And then you just did it. So I was just like, this guy's on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so that was our little after show meeting i don't know how we got to that from butts but we got there <laughs> wow. so the title of this episode is definitely going to come from somewhere in the last three minutes <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting the butt thing eh? like i had really a lot of fun making that episode because um i think it is that like it's so weird that like guys a lot of straight men feel like um yeah, like getting a finger up the butt or whatever, even if it's their partner, their, you know, the female partner that that is in some way gay. Um, it's like, it's really interesting, like that. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not saying that that's what how you feel, but it's just interesting that a lot of straight <laughs> men do feel that way. Yeah, and um, I, I don't think it's offensive to get a finger up the butt. I'm yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Great. Well, luckily your wife listens to this podcast, so hopefully um, she'll take the hint. <laughs> could pretty much get away with everything but this will be the one episode that she listens to because <laughs> i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna send her the link <laughs> i um i when we were going to talk about school of straight i almost turned me into her and went do you know what if i ever had an affair would you be more offended if it was a man or a woman and then i thought she's probably going to go why are you just trying to take the path of least resistance or something so <laughs> <laughs> I opted out of that question. Uh, I just thought it was a one. <laughs> I'll probably ask it one day when she's drunk, but yeah. uh, I have no idea what that answer would be. Matt, what have you got a discussion, uh, a thought about your butt? Really, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know what you thought. Well, there you go. Just something that you just don't want to talk about. See, as no, you I, trust um... me as the only straight person on the show. I have absolutely no concern about um, using it for other things, but I understand people's reluctance, given it is a bit dirty from a hygiene. Oh, but you clean it. But this is the this is the thing. This yes, I know. Do, I know. do they think do. that gay men are like this? It's it's clean. It's, it's no, clean. I know, and I've I've indulged in that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, but uh, I think people don't realise that, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair that's, enough, fair well, hopefully enough. that's what your hopefully that's what your web series will teach them. Yeah, right. True, true, true. Um, if people do want to watch that, then it's on renews.co.nz. You could learn something uh, about your butt and about other things because there's other episodes coming out soon. Well, I now have the answer to why James took a shower tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, I've told you before about coming on to our guests. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I oh, know it's a problem, but yeah, I'm there be there was a real problem with uh, Nick Rado. <laughs> <laughs> very good-looking man, actually. So uh... yeah. he wasn't interested in me. Yeah, that's right. Mm, that's a shame. Oh, cool. So, how many of the web series are you planning to put out, or is that to be determined at the moment? That's really TBD. Like, I made the first one, and they were like, "If it goes well, we'll make more." And then. Um, it was so good that they were really happy with it that before they even released it, they're like, yep, let's make some more. So I'm oh, just going to awesome. keep, we're, we're just going to keep making them, me and um, Liam Van Eden, who directs the series, um, just keep making them until they tell us to stop making them. I'm going to go on that journey and, and see where it takes me, I reckon. 
Great. I'm Congrats. Good. I'm really happy for you. Really I look forward you. to regular updates. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about your upcoming festival show? I say upcoming, the festival's now. Um, festival's now, festival but, show, but mine's at the end of the festival, so it yeah. is still very much upcoming. Two-Face, Too Furious. Um, yeah, Two-Face, Too Furious. Uh, it's at the Classic Studio at 10 p.m. in the last week of the festival. Um, which I think is like the 20th to the 22nd because um, I'm just doing three nights. But it is, it's basically, um, it's, it's, it's kind of just like a, a, a stand, like a straight stand-up show. Like I, um, I think that the best stand-up shows are the ones that don't, like, you know, like every year the festival, and this is no shade to anyone, but you see shows at the comedy festival, like Marry Me Chris Warner. And you're like, wow, that person has really put themselves in a tight little box Mm. as to what they're going to be able to talk about. (laughs) Um, And I, yeah. And so Two-Faced, Two-Furious, it's about being two-faced, um, and the trouble that gets me in and but really it's just a really broad show where the best of my stand-up from the last year will be um and i'm also doing multimedia this year i've never done multimedia before um and so i'm adding a bit of a visual element which i'm excited by wow that sounds pretty cool is it it an hour-long show yep well yeah yeah it's an it's in an hour slot look honestly probably 50 minutes but um, <laughs> but i think that's good have you ever been like you go to an hour show even the best hour shows that you see at about the 45 minute mark you're like i would like this to be over soon even if <laughs> even if it's the best one i i genuinely believe that i'm just gonna sorry plug my laptop in because i said it's almost out of battery um, i don't want to lose you no worries. No, you're absolutely right. I went to see one recently that was very innovative and creative and had loads of really interesting ideas in it. And I was still thinking, when's it going to be over? When's it going to be over? <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't mention who it was because I'd be upset. But it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, no. It's not it's an everyone. insult. It's it? everyone, really. It is everyone. Yeah. yeah. Great thing about Netflix, Netflix specials is you can skip over mm. certain jokes. So what dates and locations are the show, James? Classic Studio, 10 p.m. Uh, the, I think, the yeah, the 20th to the 22nd of May. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you can buy tickets on Event Finder. I am getting a ticket. Great. Love to hear that. I'll tell you, I need to move some. <laughs> and we'll be putting links to the we'll be putting links to the tickets uh, and everything else in the show notes um for everyone as awesome. well thank you so um hopefully that'll help and mm. obviously we won't we won't uh, leave it saying please buy tickets because there's none selling at the moment because then people won't, might not want to come to an empty <laughs> there's not none <laughs> selling at the moment to be clear there are tickets good. are selling yeah um good. not you know like there's definitely gonna be room that's all i'll say <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe you should book now in case there isn't. Yeah, Yeah, book exactly. Exactly. I should be better at this pitch. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm interested because obviously we're on a podcast. Last year you had a podcast called James Malcolm Reviews James Malcolm. Tell us how that came about and what was was that? It was um, was during quarantine. Did you guys start this podcast during quarantine or a different time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite coincidence. We hadn't done it beforehand, but yeah, right, right. It just it was during quarantine where I feel like every comedian was like, I either have to start doing virtual shows, like, like no, thank no. you, <laughs> or a podcast. Otherwise, I'm just 
otherwise I, am I a comedian anymore um and yeah I did a podcast called James Malcolm Reviews James Malcolm which is basically where I invite my friends on to um present a review of me like talk to me about the good things and the bad things about my personality and um delve deep into that yeah that's that's kind of that's the that's the byline and you had a different guest every week. And was it talking about a different part of your personality or something? I kind of, I let the, I let the, um, I let the guests sort of steer the direction. Um, so sometimes there were definitely some quirks of my personality, both positive and negative that were recurring. Um, and we would, um, we would delve, you know, deeper and deeper into those areas. And there were ones that sort of were a bit more like specific to that person. Uh, yeah. Are you planning to do anything else in podcast world or? I'd like to, I'd love to do that podcast again, like another season or something. Um, there's just a lot on at the moment, but do you know what? Always like the start of the year, this like this first half of the year is so hectic. And then the second half of this year is I'm always like, dear God, why do I never have anything on? <laughs> um, <laughs> like everything is just so like pride festivals are all in the first half of the year. Comedy festivals first half of the year just like everything's in the first half of the year and then the second half of the year there's nothing on and I'm just always like I, yeah so I'll probably do it again then well um, interesting a couple of questions about um, your personal choice and taste um James not not in men um but um <laughs> what where's your favorite place to perform comedy Ah, that's an interesting question I okay so here's what I'll say is I think I have I have two ideal audiences that are very different from each other um, and I'll do the exact same material to them and it'll be funny for different reasons. And that is like my, one of my favorite things is obviously my no homo gig that I run at Basement Theatre and we've also taken it around, like we did Wellington Pride Festival the other, um, the other month and we sold 320 tickets or something. Um, wow. Like we, um, it's like a banger. And so like that audience, that show, basically wherever it is, but it's usually at the basement. Um, it's so fun to perform to that crowd because everything you say is like somewhat relatable to them. Um, they, um, they're so happy and it's such a no homo, like no one bombs at no homo. It's such a giving audience. They're so great and it's just really fun and I can really play. Um, but I also, I love performing at the classic in front of the most heterosexual audience I can get. Um, and what I love about that is, um, I, what I love about that is, so did Darren freeze for a second? A tiny bit there, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, well, I, I love performing at the classic and, and what I love about that is, um, I love performing in front of a super straight crowd and and challenging them and shocking them and and as i said before i like getting those i like the the followed by the <laughs> like mixed in all together um yeah so they're both my favorite for different reasons and you know at uh, no homo do you find there's a mixture of crowd like straight crowd um gay crowd or do you find it particularly caters to one it's, it's queer people and straight women which is right. <laughs> kind of um the same any any queer space um is always yeah. going to be queer people and women <laughs> as straight women <laughs> and when you actually started on your comedy journey or even now do you have like a comedian that you admired or modeled yourself off or someone yeah. that you 
I, I mean, I really love comedians like Joel Creasy and um, Reese Nicholson. Um, I really like Catherine Ryan. Um, I, you know, I do, I do definitely have those, but, but I think because I started, it's interesting. I've always felt a little bit like uneducated in the, in this area, just because like I started in high school, I started as like a, a kid who just wanted to perform in any way possible and like stand up comedy stuck because, it, you know, it turned out it, you know I was all right at it um I never went through like you know like I meet a lot of comedians who are comedian stand-up comedians because they love they love stand-up and they love watching stand-up and I obviously love stand-up too because I've been doing it for so long but I come from a from a slightly different place of um enjoying the performance aspect more than like um like more than like being a huge stand-up comedy nerd and then getting into it which is like quite a common way of getting into Mm. it yeah so you said that you're a kind of lefty wokey type of person <laughs> yeah i've been excited to talk to you about this and I, i'm interested in this as well because i'm also interested in your view on cancel culture and all that sort of stuff as well mm. Ugh, it's such a hard one i don't know <laughs> it's it's so that's a tough it's a tough question um like ugh. Like, can you give me an example? Can you give give me a scenario exactly. and I'll tell give you us, if the person should be cancelled. <laughs> give us an example. Give us an example of a good comic who's ever been cancelled. I know that's slightly subjective, but I've never heard of a good comic ever being cancelled. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, talented people can um, can do bad things, though, and be cancelled. Yeah. Um, I, do okay, I don't think... I don't, okay, here, I don't think that people... Hmm. Oh, it's so hard. I'm probably a bit centrist in this sense. And I think you kind of have to be to be a comedian. Um, because it is sort of a space where you you toe the line a little bit. Um like if someone's like like if, like are we talking about like people who have done like something wrong in their personal life are we talking about someone who has said something bad on stage or we like this is what because i think it's so specific i think it's so context specific i think there are people that deserve to be cancelled um i do have concerns about what those people do after they've been cancelled because um like they don't just go away <laughs> like they have to do something they have to earn some sort of living um but i also don't think like if someone's done something really bad and then and they can't be an actor anymore then like if, as long as they can do something like i don't think they have a right to the like i don't think everyone has a right to do exactly what they want to do if they've done something bad but they have a right to, they have to be able to get self-worth from some area yeah, we kind of went through that phase, didn't we? Where it was like, oh, Dr. Zeus books need to be cancelled. Statues need to be cancelled. Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star need to be cancelled. You know, there's just all this. It was just almost like a deluge of everything almost had to be cancelled at one point. It just seemed to have, like, calmed down a little bit. But um, for a while, there was just almost, it was everywhere you turned, something had to be cancelled for some reason whatsoever. Yeah, the Shane Dawson one's so interesting because... Like he was doing that stuff for so long, yeah. And it's so interesting that like like none of the stuff he got cancelled for was recent. Like it was really gross. Like a lot. Like that yeah. stuff was it was really bad. Like his cancellation was really bad because the stuff he'd done was awful. But like when I watched him as a kid, 
he was doing all that stuff right like there was yes. it's not like it's not like it was uncovered like oh there's this rare video of shane dawson doing blackface no he was doing blackface in every video at that time yeah and so it's kind of interesting like a like we all knew about it and then one day we were all like actually it's really really bad and it, yeah. and, it and it was like we're right it was bad but it's interesting i'm just interested around the timing of that yeah mm, yeah yeah, it was that, was that, yeah. All the people that put him on at the time, you know, have they all been cancelled? Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I'm re- I really struggle with cancel culture. I think that um, if you do something really bad, uh, then you probably don't deserve like an, a, a platform, like, and it's yeah. sort of like pretty fair for that. But I do, I do have concerns around um, where those people go because they don't just disappear. No, you're absolutely right. Like if we're calling people, especially people out of the, the out of the public sphere, if like we're calling someone's like, if someone makes a tweet that's like racist or homophobic or transphobic or sexist and they work at a bank and we're calling their bank and getting them fired from there, mm. like it feels, a, I don't know, like they're not in the public eye. They tweeted something. I don't know. It just feels a bit strange to me. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's hard, isn't it, to which side does it fall onto? You know, I mean, obviously it's really uncool behavior. Um, is it our place to get them fired? Is it their employer's place to see it and get them fired? You know, it's, um, mm-hmm. and the worrying thing is if you do that in a public place, you have to wonder about somebody's personal private kind of behavior. If you do something so outrageous, so publicly. Yeah, um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh my God. So, you more left than me on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm the right winger of the show as well. That's the weird part. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, there's no point in me saying anything here because I just. Um, you, there's. I mean, it is one of those things. I'm going to say. I've said. Is, there's no point in me saying anything here, no, so I'm going to say something now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, yeah, no, it is. It is a tough one, and it is something that. And I think, I think, uh, James, you, you called onto the the part of cancel culture that is dangerous which is, does cause um, alarm bells to ring, I think, which is those people in, a, in normal jobs who aren't in the public eye or even people who are in the public eye and just tweet something thoughtless or, you know, ignorant and are actually open to being educated about it, but actually just get piled on mm. so much that it destroy, you know, it, you know, it costs them a job, cost them all sorts of things. Um, and it's like, and then where does that also, where does that kind of ter- drive them as well if they can't yeah. actually get into this kind of spaces which you'd want them to be in where do they end up going yeah it's so unforgiving and yeah and i do worry about that because like you know you look in the states there are a lot of people being radicalized Mm. and um yeah it seems like you're yeah if you yeah we we could be setting people up for that we could be handing them over on a silver platter like here are some new people to radicalize getting too drunk at the comedy awards (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh no i um i i uh, <laughs> i just i get i i you know, look i i cut loose at them i have fun i have a good time um i um there was one time where uh and i think i oh, i don't know if I, maybe i won't say the name but i will say that i'm 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 friends with this comedian now you know not close friends but you know we're we're cool now but we um we got in a, a big fight uh at the guild awards because um he thought i had stolen this girl's vodka soda 
um, actually the case was that we're just both we were just both basic white bitches who drink vodka <laughs> sodas. Um, but um, but yeah, and he um, he was like, "You got to buy the you got oh I'm probably giving it away by the accent actually." <laughs> You've got to, you've got to, you've got to buy the girl a drink. You got to buy the girl a drink. And um, I was like, no. And um, and then he he wanted to he wanted to fight me. And I remember this is how uncool I am. I was very drunk. This is how uncool I am. Um, I went to the bathroom. Um, I like in the middle of him trying to fight me. And I um I called my mom and I was like, mom, I have to let you know I'm getting in a fight tonight. <laughs> and I have to defend my honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you ever fight uh we uh we kind of kept egging each other on and then he eventually got kicked out i had like the crocodile tears and everyone was being like oh jane we were probably both being quite like quite naughty but yeah. i had the crocodile tears going wonderful um <laughs> Where, what was my other question? Oh, yeah, you love a gossip, apparently. Have you got any dirt for us? Mm. Come on. <laughs> you got any dirt on us? <laughs> what, wait, what did you say, Mr? Have you got any dirt on us? On us? No. <laughs> oh, I wish. I gave I'll mine up some. first. I yeah. gave mine up first. Yeah, actually, now I do have yeah. to. <laughs> That's got a limited lifespan because it's going to be public soon. That's right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Imagine if I just came on here and was like, Brendan Lovegrove, secretly gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's just the title like of this episode. Someone. That's the title <laughs> of the episode. Thank you. <laughs> well, you can't say that about another performer. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Lovegrove's fine. We get along very well. I, I wouldn't have said someone who wouldn't have been fine with that joke. <laughs> oh, so no gossip for us then. But you do love a good gossip, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Why not? That's fun. Who doesn't? I don't believe anyone yeah. who says they don't like a good gossip. Do you know who loves a good gossip? Comedian oh, Ray no. O'Leary. Tell us. Oh, I bet. I could imagine O'Leary would be into that, actually. Yeah, yeah, he always he always pretends like he it's shameless. It's so shameless. He he plays and I look, I do love a gossip, but I'm open about it. And you know, he he plays the gay man stereotype. He acts like I'm the biggest gossip to get your trust, and then he will <laughs> take all your secrets and then they're his gossip now um uh, it's completely shameless uh don't let him get away with it <laughs> ray o'leary is the only person who's a bigger gossip than james malcolm yes i was at a quiz night a couple of weeks back with um o'leary and mr pick yes it was an interesting event uh oh, yeah but there would be he, fun. He, he didn't look for any gossip though i'm obviously not good enough i'm obviously not gossip worthy or, maybe uh, he did it. I bet he got some from you covertly, and you didn't even realize. <laughs> That's right, without realizing. <laughs> and um, I also read that you've got some long-standing grudges. Where did you read that? I saw that, and I was trying to think what those were. Yeah, I think it was your podcast again. All uh, right. Yeah. No, nah, I do hold a grudge for sure. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm grudging anyone. In, am I grudging anyone in the comedy industry? Nah, I think I'm cool with everyone there. I just, I just like. Um, if someone pisses me off, I do. <laughs> I do really hold on to. I went to my sister's twenty um, first last year, and there was this girl from um, my high school that I remembered I didn't like, and I was like, "No, I can't talk to her. I don't like her." And my sister was like, 
why don't what what happened between you guys like what was it and I was like I honestly can't remember but I do remember that I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> and so I ignored it the entire night it was really pity that is quality that, that is a grudge that's got to be how many years old now 10 yeah, uh, Nine, uh seven, it would have been seven then seven yeah wow that's cool so uh, grudges make the world go round. We wouldn't have developed as much high technology stuff if it wasn't for grudges. Oh wow, that's good. That's a good fact. Hmm. Is there anything else that you want to promote, James, or anything that you want to talk about? Um, no, I think we've covered the bases. Come to my comedy festival show, twentieth to twenty second of May, ten pm, Classic Studio. Watch School for Straits on Renews.co.nz. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think, oh, No Homo, is that monthly? That yeah, No Homo is every month. That's in the comedy festival as well. Um, if you're only going to buy tickets to one show, buy tickets to the solo show. Um, no Homo will do just fine. But it is uh, the 14th and the 15th of May at 10.30pm in the Q Loft. Oh, wonderful. I have nothing else. I think I've pretty much, I, I think I stalked you like heaps. I stalked I like your podcast notes. I stalked your social media and your web page. And Thank so, you. I love being stalked. That, that means stalked. That's, that means a lot to her. He drained you, so, you so dry I couldn't find anything to add. I have not done it all. Well, do you want to reword that kind of comment? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm cool with that. Um, we'll just have to see how it goes after your performance when I come and see you at your uh, your solo show. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think I've um, I think I've covered everything, James. Um, unless you've got anything, but um, we're just super thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're super appreciative that you would give up your uh, yeah your Sunday to spend it with us and. Um, yeah, despite well, despite initially forgetting it, it's a behind the scenes <laughs> tea. I um I was a very unprofessional person today, and I totally forgot that this was happening. And then uh, I was in the shower when uh, we were supposed to start. <laughs> we're just so memorable, Matt. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. It's so, I'm so sorry. I it was so, it was such a slip of the mind. I was um yeah. I was actually I was filming School for Straits last night till like. Um, we were still doing some on the street stuff outside family bar till like 1am so I was like oh, wow. today I've been a bit brain dead <laughs> well you recovered you, the shower obviously helped you recover yes totally <laughs> so no we're really appreciative thank you yeah. for making time and uh, we're certainly looking forward to School for Straits and everything that you've got going on at the festival thank you yeah thanks so much for coming on appreciate it cool